Another night, another great comeback at Carver Hawkeye Arena as the Hawks knock off Michigan in overtime. We talk about it today. It's a fun one. Basketball only edition of Locked On Hawkeyes. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome into Locked On Hawkeyes. I'm Trent Condon. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Available wherever you get podcasts. And you can also watch us on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button as we work to get in front of more Hawkeye fans. This episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online helps you out in your world of sports wagering more prop odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts well if you were holding an Iowa ticket tonight minus five and a half was the closing number there were certainly some tense moments tense basically throughout the whole game and probably the only way you were going to get a cover in this game is for the game to go to overtime now as we've talked about many times in the past, I am not the most optimistic fan out there. Pessimism rules supreme for me as it pertains to the teams that I cheer for. Iowa football and basketball. Got my twin sweatshirt on today, even with the Carlos Correa signing. Bears fan. It's it's not a great existence. Let's be honest. And I like when the positivity comes. I felt great going into this game and watching early on Jet Howard doing what he was doing against the Iowa zone defense and even when they switch and just hitting shots all over the place, a 10-point deficit deep into the ball game, yet Iowa kept finding a way. And it goes back once again to the play of Peyton Sanford. Peyton Sanford out there hitting shots from all over the place. 24 of his 26 points come in the second half in overtime as Iowa comes back to get the victory over the Wolverines. How did it happen? Well, there was a lot that went into this one. Let's kick things off and just an overview of what we saw. This, again, is another one of these moments in the course of a season where we go back to the beginning of the year. Iowa gets off to a good start, feeling good about this squad. Now, they were playing by games. They weren't against big-time opponents. We're not talking about when they got into late November and early December. But, you know, those first games of the year, I really had the feeling that this Iowa team had a chance to be different. I thought they had a chance to be different because there was, there was a little bit of dog in these guys. Connor McCaffrey, we know, he's going to jaw, and he's going to talk, and he's going to do that thing, and not just be the leader that he is and the coach on the floor, but he likes to talk. And you have a little bit of that. You have other guys. Tony Perkins certainly has that quality, or at least had that quality, and you need to get that back in a big-time way. Peyton Sanford, he absolutely had that in the early portions of the year. But as Sanford's shooting went into the tank, as this team was battling injury, Connor McCaffrey sat out the Eastern Illinois loss. Of course, Chris Murray was out for multiple games with his injury. And some of that fight maybe started to dissipate. And I wondered, and I'm sure you did as well, is this team going to wilt under the pressure? Is it just going to be too much? And with all the injuries piling up, with the slow start, with the bad loss that they had to Eastern Illinois, the head scratchers to Nebraska, just as poorly as they played over there in Lincoln. It wasn't losing, but it was a fashion that they lost. And then back that up with another loss against Penn State. If there was just too much for this team, and they were going to wilt in tough moments like we saw so many teams in the Fray McCaffrey era. That has not been the case here lately. Now, the hay's not in the barn. 
Now, this team is not automatically now an NCAA tournament team. They still got plenty of work in front of them, including still two more here at Carver coming up in the next week as they will take on Maryland on Sunday. Very talented team. Still trying to find their putting the footing there with Willard in his first year. And then Northwestern, one of the surprises in the Big Ten. They took Rutgers to the wire. In fact, I thought they had that game won the other night before Rutgers came back and got the victory late against Northwestern. A very improved Northwestern team, a team that's doing with defense. So there are no gimmies. There are no cupcakes coming up here on this Iowa basketball schedule. Back to what we saw tonight. And this squad and the Peyton Sanford factor. When he was going through the slump, you saw at times forcing shots, looking so uncomfortable. I think of a couple of different times. He just had stick backs at the rim. Remember Peyton Sanford, though he's a two guard, he'll play small forward and the like. Dude's up to six foot eight now. I mean, he is a tall drink of water. And even inside, just an easy putback off a rebound. He was rushing it. He missed a couple of those. Didn't have a field goal in his first three games in the Big Ten as he was 0 of 19 from the floor. And now what we saw, starting with the game a week ago against Indiana. You know, he hit a shot early in that game. I mentioned I was at that game at Carver, and he could just feel the crowd just trying to push him over. Get that confidence going a little bit. And though he didn't shoot it incredibly well in that game, he at least hit a couple of shots and certainly looked like a better player than what we've seen really the previous three, four weeks of the campaign. Then you go to Sunday. What they did on the road at the rack when they needed a big shot down the stretch, it was Peyton Sanford that did it. And we thought that was going to be the Peyton Sanford game, right? That's how that was going to be remembered. Well, this might be the Peyton Sanford game as we remember back to this Michigan victory and how they got it done. The four-point play late in the ball game, going up there, anticipating, maybe kicking the foot out a little bit. He did an interview uh, with Field of 68 after the game and talked a little bit about that little game and ship maybe there. But he got hit on the shot, fouled through, hit it, and then made the free throw on top of it as Iowa tied it up and then got the stamp late in the game. Tons of credit to him in overtime, of course, his play starting with a jumper. They come out. They come out We're really hard and hedge him really hard out on the edge. Takes a couple of steps inside the three-point line. Hits a 17-footer. Just a thing of beauty, and you could just see. He, he was cooking at that moment. There wasn't much that was going to be able to slow Peyton Sanford down. Credit again to Fran McCaffrey, not just what he has done and bringing this team back together. You lose a starter in Patrick McCaffrey. You lose him for, we don't know how long you're 0-3 in the big 10. You have one of the worst losses in college basketball to Eastern Illinois. And yet he has galvanized this team in. It's not like everybody that's playing is playing well. Tony Perkins, something is incredibly off with him. And this is not the game. The guy that we saw throughout the end of last season. This is not the guy that we saw even in the early portions of this season. He is really off right now, really struggling, but the hope is, as we've seen with Peyton Sanford, that he's going to be able to find it again and, and get that confidence going. He got hollered at at the under 16. Fran was letting him have it on the sideline there, and this team responded in a big-time way, and to do that when not all the pieces are playing their best, I think that says a lot. Fran McCaffrey, not just what he did, getting this team from 0-3 back to 3-3 and in the Big Ten and back on the right side, it feels like, potentially for the NCAA tournament bubble. But you couple that with what he did in the game today and the buttons that he pushed, where Michigan and Jed Howard are hitting shots all over the place. He absolutely coached circles 
around Juwan Howard in this one. I was at the zone. They were going underneath a lot of the screens, and they were getting hit with it. They adjusted. They made the changes necessary there and made things much more difficult throughout the course of the game. Now, Michigan still ended up the game just shy of 50%. They're up about 55 58% for a big portion of this game. And, of course, the great three-point shooting. How about this, though? 0 of 6 down the stretch. Their last six three-pointers, they missed all six of them and a big change to the game and the way that played out in overtime. Also, the decision late in regulation of using the fouls. Again, smart move there. Use a couple of fouls. You had two to give. They do that and set up a play down the stretch that was incredibly difficult. The shot went off the side of the rim as we went into overtime. Now, there was also that foul that was the six of the half, the last one that they had to give. Now, they were in a difficult spot there, but ultimately made the right choices, pushed the right buttons, and got this team going and was able to do it also with Josh Dix at the point guard position. What an absolute surprise. That was something I don't think anybody saw coming. If we thought Euless wasn't going to be playing well, Perkins has played some point. Of course, Connor has done it throughout his career. It was going to be one of those guys, right? Or you're going to see DeSante Bowen, the freshman. He was going to be the guy if they had to push that eject button and go to another direction. That would be who you'd see out there. Not Josh Dix. Not a guy that had a devastating leg injury just a year ago. Still working his way back from that. Still not completely 100%. And he was another dog out there. Good defender. We talked about that last week after the Indiana game. He can defend, and he ran the team beautifully. Great work out of him. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Lots of stars to the game. So much to talk about. A look to the next week and a look overall in the Big Ten. Some crazy things happening across the Big Ten landscape, including Iowa's comeback tonight and Ohio State goes down to Minnesota. Well, you can't lose to the Gophers. That's next here on Locked On Hawkeyes. Today's episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro and amateur league out there. Pro football playoffs begin this weekend. Looking forward to that. Of course, we have basketball going on right now. I am heavy into the college basketball betting. Tennis around the corner with the first major and the Australian Open. And hey, if you like to have something going on while you're sleeping, or if you're a night owl, got a little something that you can bet on at Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts, they also have those over at Bet Online. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting information. Head to their website today to find out more, betonline.net, or just hop on your phone. Bet Online, where the game starts. Trent Cotton continuing with you here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Locked On, your team every day. That's what we do here. And for your second listen each and every day, don't forget our friends over at Locked On College Basketball. They're doing great work there, keeping you up to date on everything going on. Your second listen needs to be Locked On College Hoops. Experts Isaac Shadi, along with Andy Patton, bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Hear from the big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the college basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Back to the game and what we saw tonight. So, of course, Peyton Sanford, he was good. We got to mention him and, and what he was able to do. We talk about what we saw from Chris Murray, though he didn't shoot the ball incredibly well. Some big shots early in that game where it looked like Michigan might run away and hide, kind of like the Indiana game a week ago. That wasn't the case, though. Really, really good work out of them and what they were able to pull off in that fashion. And 
Chris Murray, need a bucket, you know you can go to him. A couple of different times beating Dickinson off the paint. And that's another thing. We talked earlier about Fran McCaffrey coaching circles around Jawan Howard. I know Jet Howard was going on his uh, son and was having an incredible performance, but as he started to cool, can he get the ball to Hunter Dickinson? Now, we're happy or not, but Philip Robracha struggling with foul trouble. Even in that, going up against a monster defender in Dickinson, one of the best in the league, a guy that is going to be an absolute just load that you have to handle in there each and every time he's out there. So he's struggling with foul trouble. Two awful, awful ticky-tack calls that went against him in the first half. The first should have been a jump ball. The second one, I don't know what the official saw, but he had two fouls. We know under Fran McCaffrey, that is an automatic benching in the first half until the second half begins. So he had that. Then he got a third relatively early in the third. And Hunter Dickinson has four shots inside the three-point line, a couple three-pointers, six shots overall. John Howard, give your head a shake, dude. Come on. That, that is just not, that is not coaching your team to its best. Even as I was running zone and doing different things, and I know Iowa was doubling seemingly every time that Dickinson got the ball, and they had to do that so many times. That was another one of those head scratchers on their side. Hey, from the Hawkeye side, though, we are happy that Fred McCaffrey was able to do that. Now, because Philip Robracha was struggling with the foul trouble, that meant we got to see more of Riley Mulvey. So he came in a week ago against Indiana, gave him a couple of minutes when Robracha needed a blow, and he kind of looked competent, more, certainly more competent than I anticipated because we saw him last year during his freshman campaign. Remember, this young man came to the University of Iowa a year ago in what should have been his senior season of high school. Big guys take a while to develop, and we go back and think of guys like Jared Reiner. You think of Adam Woodbury, players like that, those seven-footers, and they take a while. We go way back, machine, Les Jepsen. I mean, you saw Les Jepsen the first time up and down the floor under Dr. Tom, and you wondered if he could chew gum and walk at the same time. But by the end, he became an NBA draft pick and was a really, really good player in his senior campaign. It takes a while for those guys to develop, and now you've accelerated that development. And he went in there again against a good front line of Michigan, against Dickinson at times, and he held his own. Is he going to be a guy that is going to be a big-time scorer at this point of his career? Obviously not. I mean, that's expectations. But if he can go in there and against the Zach Eadies of the world, the Dickens of the world, even if you need him in a matchup against Rutgers, as we saw with big Cliff Amore out there and what he can do, if he can come in you and give you those two, three-minute spurts, you got something there. He moved up and down the floor. He hustled. He was after it. He did some things defensively. I thought he was a lot more solid than we thought. He's not a star, but a backup center, you get that, and you can still five, six, seven minutes a game from him and give Philip Robracha a little bit of a breather, or if foul trouble comes up, at least you know you have somebody competent. We got to get back to Josh Dix, too, and his play. I mean, just an absolute wild one from Josh Dix. We saw him hit a big shot against Indiana. Down the stretch, he was the one that was playing in crunch moments. We talked about his defensive ability, one of the best defenders that I was had this year. Both Eulis and Perkins, and looking at some of the advanced numbers that are out there, a little bit surprising just how bad both of those guys have been after being pretty solid a year ago as on-ball defenders. Those numbers have dissipated this year. But that aside, credit to Josh Dix. Again, I don't think we're seeing him at 100%. If you didn't see or didn't hear about the injury that he had a year ago with that broken leg as he was playing over, uh, played a non-conference game, I believe it was, uh, right before district uh, play began. He 
maybe had a chance to lead his team to a state championship. I mean, that's how talented he was and how good that team was. And more than anything, it was Josh Dix. You wonder some of that explosiveness. And, and that's what I liked about him as a high school prospect. When I saw Josh Dix first couple of times out there, a lot more springy, a lot more bouncy of an athlete than I anticipated. And I think back to some of the, the guards that Fran has recruited, some of those two guards of the past. He's got more bounce to his game. And I think that's going to come back even more. But what he did as a defender, how smart he played out there, and just how confident that he looked. Something that is a rarity for a freshman guard coming off an injury like that that didn't have the same kind of practice time throughout the spring and summer and, of course, into fall camp here. He is absolutely the making of another solid piece here. Very interesting, too, and talking about those coaching moments from Fran McCaffrey in the postgame, you talked a, a little bit about this, is some of the things they've been working on with that second unit is playing DeSante Bowen off the ball a little bit more, and that meant Josh Dix is playing the point guard position a little bit more with that second group. So you could tell he was confident handling the basketball. He played at a really high level. Have to love that. Ten points, a couple of big three-pointers in the game. Five assists as well for Josh Dix. A big credit to him. And a night where, again, Tony Perkins and Aaron Eulis, your starting backcourt, struggled. It was the bench play uh, that really got it done for the Hawkeyes. A couple of other uh, guys want to mention uh, their performances from the game and get into a little bit more from what we saw as uh, we bring up our stat sheet here once again from the ball game. I, li I like to look at plus minus. Not something I want to marry myself to anyway, but I always find it interesting. Your leader in plus minus in the game was Josh Dix. He was plus 17. When he was on the floor, Iowa outscored Michigan by 17. Second on that list, not a surprise, Peyton Sanford. He was plus 16 in the game. A plus 10 for Connor McCaffrey. Plus 9 for Chris Murray. Plus 5 for Philip Robracha. And plus 4 when Riley Mulvey was out there. How about that? In his four minutes, hit a couple of shots, got into the rim a couple of times, had a couple of rebounds as well. Looked like he could handle the minutes that he was given. Robracha, they were plus 5. Here's the negatives, though. A negative 7 for Aaron Eulis and Tony Perkins, a minus 9. Eulis played 12 minutes, 16 for Tony Perkins in the game. Uh, even out on the floor when DeSante Bowen was out there, uh, he had a couple of points, made a bucket in the game, had six minutes of action for what we anticipated was going to be the backup point guard. Not the case. Iowa ends the game at 1.27 points per possession. That is elite once again. This offense is elite. Got to be the better defensively. And, and that's what we're going to talk about next here. Yes, you got the win. Exhale. Felt great, but have to be better on the defensive end. You just cannot outscore teams each and every time. You can't rely on big comebacks as they've done the last two times at Carver. There's going to be one time where that comeback just isn't going to be there. So this team, fight, absolutely love it. Love what we've seen out of this squad as they have battled their way back, but there are things that we have to look at and definitely have to get better at. We'll talk about that more as we roll through here on Locked On Hawkeyes. Trek kind of back with you one final time on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Again, thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Hit that subscribe button as well if you can. If you are on YouTube, helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Make sure to check out our brand new basketball podcast. It's Lockdown College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college hoops in one place. Plus, hear from the big names in the sport insiders coaches players they have it all locked on college basketball available like we are on youtube and wherever you get podcasts so 
Talked about some of the concerns still coming out of this game. Even with the victory, yes, there are still some things to be a little bit nervous about with this Iowa basketball team, and it continues on the defensive end. Offensively, they're elite. They can score. Frey McCaffrey could take any group of guys, and I think he's going to make them a competent offensive team. It's just the way that he he coaches the discipline, what they do, guys in the right spot, some of the sets that they run, their ability to come out, go out and do a lot of different things on the break. I just, I, it's a thing of beauty watching his team. So then when he draws up plays, you know, on timeouts, coming out, just time in and time out, he puts together some of the most beautiful sets that you're going to find. But as you're working on all that offense, there's going to be something that doesn't get as much attention. And as we know, that is the defense. So what's a realistic number here? It's the inverse of what we talk about when we're talking Iowa football, right? Great defense, great special teams, and the offense is junk. Well, vice versa here. And in this one, how many times they continue to go under screens early in that game, the open three-pointers that they were giving up, and that zone worked really well against Indiana. Fran, though, made the necessary adjustments, and you saw that team definitely do some things, stop going underneath screens. It, what do you have? Doug, the, the, the freshman, Doug, D-U-G, that kid, he was hitting shots which he didn't anticipate. Jet Howard, we talked about that as we previewed the game. Now, he was a 37% three-point shooter coming in. You know, he could fill it up but making those adjustments. So right now, Iowa on the season is 117th in the country in defensive efficiency. Is this team going to be great defensively? No, they're not. They're just not. We had two great defenses now in the 13 years of Fran McCaffrey. They came when he had two good defenders on the ball with Mike Gassell and Anthony Clemens and a perfect back-end defensive player, and Adam Woodbury. Though he was not a shot blocker, he absolutely knew where to go. He knew how to help. He knew to get everybody in the right spot. And those were the only two years, their upperclassmen years, their junior and senior campaigns, that Iowa, I believe, was in the top 40 both of those seasons defensively. That's it. Not going to happen. But can this team get back to the top 80? Something like that. Again, we're looking for realistic goals. There's 362 teams in D1 college basketball now. That number seems a little bit different than when we talk about on the football side of things. But basketball-wise, if this team can get into that, they're still going to be able to score. I think you have something here. So we're looking big picture, and we're looking at still what's coming up next. Get better on the defensive end. Continue to try to massage and figure out, can you get anything out of Tony Perkins? Is it time to make a decision and put him back on the bench and put him back in that role because Peyton Sanford, you got to maximize his minutes. Did you notice that we didn't see Peyton Sanford in the game until there was inside 11 minutes left in the first half before he made his first appearance in there, and he was slow going. Only two points in the first half before 24 in the second half in overtime. So you have that component. Do you push that button? What do you do at the point guard spot? Aaron Eulis, he's been frankly bad for quite a while now. He's hit some shots every once in a while, but there's got to be more there. The turnovers piled up against Rutgers. What do you have four in that game? Felt like he had even more than that. And one thing about Fran's system and what they do offensively, one of the biggest components is the reason that they're so good offensively. Yeah, they play at a faster tempo than most everybody in the Big Ten. And they play a lot quicker than those teams. And they like to get up and down the floor. And you look at some of the things like average possession length and things like that. They're very quick compared to to their Big Ten brethren. But the other thing is they don't turn it over. And that has been a calling card now for Iowa basketball for a very long time. Where if Ulysses is turning it over, you got to go a different direction. We thought it'd be DeSante Bowen, but you can go there. And you can also play, we saw that a lot in the end of the first half and into the second half. We saw plenty of Connor 
out there running the point before they made the decision throughout the second half is Dix was out there running the point guard and going that direction. So a lot of different things, but big picture of the Big Ten. So mentioned a little bit earlier, we saw Ohio State lose to Minnesota. Now, Garcia was really good for the Gophers in that one, but overall, I didn't know Minnesota was going to get more than three, four wins, and I still don't know if that's going to be the case in the Big Ten, even with a 20-game conference schedule. If you believe Purdue and Michigan State are the top two, I, I think Purdue, yeah, they have proven it this year. I don't believe that they're an elite-level team. I don't think this is a Final Four team. I think those freshman guards are still going to have some growing pains out there. Edie, it just takes one performance where he gets a couple of fouls or battle foul, battles foul trouble throughout that Purdue can be knocked out pretty easily. I just don't like the talent that surrounds him. They get the ball inside to him, though, and he uh, he is a load, as we know. Michigan State certainly is right in the ship. You know, Michigan State this year has never been bad. It's not like they took some kind of huge swing where they completely fell apart. You saw him against Gonzaga out on the ship. Lost a tight game there, and I think people said, all right, maybe this Michigan State team is going to be a little bit better than we thought. Uh, lost to Alabama. That was their neutral site game, and Alabama, as we've seen this year, is really, really good. Lost to Notre Dame. Eh, all right. Not great and Northwestern, but Northwestern's proven to be a lot better than we anticipated. Since then, they've won seven in a row. They're tied for first now in the conference, and the thing that I think is really surprising, A.J. Hoggard. If, if you remember him last year when they came into Carver, he really struggled in that game. I mean, Iowa absolutely ate him up. He's averaging, I think, close to seven assists per game, really running that offense incredibly well. Walker's hitting shots from the outside. That's something that is neat. That's definitely necessary. Joey Hauser, he's been shooting the ball well. Looks like Izzo's got another team. If you say, though, those are the top two, and I think that's fair right now, who's number three? Rutgers, who we saw last week in Iowa, led wire to wire against the Scarlet Knights in the rack. I don't think so. They escaped in a game they shouldn't have won against Northwestern. Is it Wisconsin? Well, right now with the wall injury, I don't think you could put them at the number three spot. Penn State inconsistent. In terms of talent, Ohio State should be there. And they just lose at home to Minnesota. Illinois, maybe they have finally figured this out. And that's the team I think you have to look at and maybe be a little bit concerned about because... They were completely out of sorts. I mean, Underwood a couple of different times is calling the team out. And now Sky Clark is no longer with the program. And since then, this team has looked a whole lot better. Now, it was against a banged-up Wisconsin team, and it was against Nebraska. So you don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves. We're going to see them, in fact, coming up here this evening, Friday night, as they'll be taking on Michigan State. That should be a really fun game. I know it's crazy. From where we were just eight days ago, but you can make a strong case right now. The way things are going right now, power rating teams as they're currently constructed at this moment, that the Iowa Hawkeyes are the third best team in the Big Ten. It's not a stretch. That's It's a strong argument. I don't think I would go there quite yet, but the argument is definitely there. Two more matchups at Carver coming up in the next week. It will be Sunday against Maryland, 3.30 tip-off for that one. And then next Wednesday against Northwestern. Also, they will uh, be playing after that game the Chris Street documentary that they have been working on, a new one from the Big Ten Network. I have heard some great things about that. So excited for it. Maybe going to try to make my way over to Carver for another game. Ah, oh boy, had so much fun at the Indiana game. Need to get back there again. Going to try to make that happen. Of course, we'll be with you each and every day here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. That's what we do. 
your team every day with Locked On Hawkeyes. Back with you on Sunday after the Iowa game. We will give you an instant reaction podcast. The Hawkeyes, they get it done today. Boy, did that feel good. We'll wait. Maybe some football information will be coming out. One of the final weekends and chances to get guys uh, an opportunity to get to campus. Maybe, just maybe. We'll get some more news from the portal. We'll continue to keep an eye on that one. And then also waiting, as we talked about earlier this week, when's that press conference going to come for Kirk Ferentz? We'll have plenty to talk about. Celebrate it. Enjoy the weekend. We will talk to you again on Sunday after the Iowa-Maryland matchup from Carver-Hawkeye Arena. Iowa gets it done against Michigan. Peyton Sanford, back-to-back times. The Peyton Sanford game. Hey, just keep having these games. We can keep talking about them, right? We're having a great time here. Thanks for joining us on Locked On Hawkeyes.